of Cincinnati, welcome to the jungle! going on welcome to the show this is sports with strawberry ice i'm your host the ice man jeff trunapole and as always i'm bringing you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of cincinnati ohio home of the afc north champion cincinnati bengals not to be a favorite if you found the show hit that like and subscribe button smash that thumbs up i'm up to 1649 subscribers that is awesome as always i appreciate every single one of you guys if you're watching on Facebook or Twitter, do me a favor. And you have yet to subscribe to my channel, please go to the YouTube channel, Sports with Strawberry Ice. Hit the subscription button. Hit the bell for the notification. And every time I go live, you'll be notified. Also, exclusively today, we're doing Super Chats in the YouTube chat crew. So if you want to give me a Super Chat uh, and support what I'm doing, I would greatly appreciate it. Now, I'd say um, to ask Jim Breach a question, but I recorded this earlier. So you can't ask him any questions. I already asked them all. But. If you guys just want to make comments and talk back and forth, I can, I'll be in the background putting them up and stuff like that. 
Now, this show and every show is brought to you by T Properties. T Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out their website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. And as always, I'm coming to you live from the Ice Cave. The Ice Cave is brought to you by T Properties. T Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out their website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs. I think I already said that. I'm kind of re- repeating myself here. Anyway, guys, I am a little discombobulated because I just had an awesome interview with Jim Breach that I'm going to share with you guys. Also, I worked my butt off trying to get a current Bengal on the team. Now, I have former ones. Jim Breach will, uh, will be the third former Bengal that I've had on my show. But tomorrow night, long unless something happens, this man right here, Deontay Smith, has said he would come on my show live at 5.30. I am ecstatic about this. I, I've been trying to get him on Evan uh, McPherson said he would come on my show. I have yet to hear back from him. You know, he physically told me he was going to come on. And uh, so, Evan, if you're watching, you know, DM me back if we can set it up. Um, so, like I said, this is one I've been I've been working on. I my my thank you to Deontay for coming on. I said it hasn't happened yet. It's going to be on tomorrow night, live at 5:30. So tell your friends, tell your neighbors, Deontay Smith is going to be on my show. That is awesome. All right, let's get to today's show. Uh, today, we have the all-time scoring leader for the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, I did a little, I cut up a little part of the interview uh, earlier today. I put that on the channel. I hope you guys uh, got to watch a little preview of, of what we talked about. Jim was on for about 47 minutes with me, so he gave me plenty of time. He was very, very, uh, very curious, very, very uh, caring with his time. I, I appreciate it. We talked about the freezer ball. We talked about his years of college. We talked about the, this year's team. We talked about the 80s, the 90s, all kinds of stuff. So anyway, let's get to the interview. Here's Jim Breach. I got a very special guest today. I'm really happy to have him on the show today. He is the Bengals' all-time points leader. He kicked in both Super Bowls. He kicked in the Freezer Bowl, which I still don't understand how in the world you kicked the football that was probably frozen in the Freezer Bowl. But he's my guest today, Jim Breach. How are you doing today, Jim? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. No problem. So yeah, let's let's just get to the freezer bowl because I'm sure you've <laughs> you probably told the same stories a million times. I think I've heard you say it was like kicking a brick. It was. Yeah, you know um, the whole surrounding that. Like my dad had come out from California for the for the games and the Buffalo game. It was 55 the day you know the week before and somewhere around Friday the ter- the temperature they were projecting it to start to turn and so we're, we're running around town trying to find him some warm weather gear never thinking that it was going to be as close as cold as it was right so we found got him some gear to wear and uh, we get up sunday morning and the guys that drove there many of their cars wouldn't start so we're, yeah. we're we're struggling to find a way to get to the stadium and you know with forrest greg if we're late to the stadium it's the afc championship game can't be late Right. If we're late, we're going to get fined fifty dollars, oh, which we weren't making a whole lot, so fifty bucks was a big deal. Right. So I was rooming. With, I was going to ride down with Jack Thompson. We were rooming together, so we start hustling around trying to find somebody who had driven in that morning. We found a, a server, and it's like, "Did you drive here today?" She says, "Well, yeah, I did." Would you give us a ride to the stadium? <laughs> She's like. Yeah, let me just check. And so, yeah, okay. So we jumped in her. I think she had a Camaro. Oh, nice. And, uh, 
And I think there was one other guy with us. So we're in this Camaro and she's driving and Jack says, can, can you go a little faster? At this rate, we're going to be late and we're going to get in big trouble. He says, well, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to break the speed limit and get you guys pull over. So we pull over on the freeway. They jump out and change places. Jack gets us downtown, gets us in. So um, we're in great shape there. Interesting side note to that. Okay. Probably 10 years ago, Jack was in town and we got together for lunch. And we go into this restaurant and the, the lady seating us, she says to Jack, are you Jack Thompson? And he says, well, yeah. She says, my daughter was the one that drove you guys down to the stadium. Oh, no way. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Great That's story. Awesome. Yeah, it was, it was good. So we get in the locker room and, you know, it's freezing. I mean, all yeah. people could talk about is what are we going to wear? Because right. no, all they had, they didn't have all of the stuff they have now. Right. All they had were long johns. Mm-hmm. And long johns were fine for practice, but the game, you couldn't, you really couldn't move well. So you didn't want to wear them for a game. Right. So next thing you know, there's two, some big boxes end up in the middle of the floor. Tom Gray opens those up and it's pantyhose. <laughs> pantyhose were like wearing the stuff that they wear today, right? Compression right, right. shorts. But the only thing you could think of to keep, I put, I put two pair of pantyhose on. <laughs> but the best part was watching the defensive lineman trying to get into their pantyhose. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Pretty oh, my God. Just, just think if you had Twitter and, and, and stuff now. I mean, how many pictures would have went viral? Been, uh, <laughs> it would have been pretty amazing. It would have been hilarious. So then, you know, we uh, offensive linemen obviously didn't wear sleeves that day. Right, right. They tried to cake it up with a bunch of Vaseline for some insulation. But the way the jerseys were, you know, they didn't. Uh, they didn't want guys to be able to grab. And if they had a bunch of stuff on, they're probably gonna have something to grab. So. They chose to. They went out at warmups, got through warmups. Said we're going to do it. So uh, I don't think Reggie Williams either. He didn't wear sleeves either. I I remember my my. I know you've heard a million people say they've been at the at this game, but my uncle legitly was at this game. He had, he was a season ticket holder. He went up to uh, Super Bowl sixteen up in Detroit, and he will tell me to this day that is the coldest he has ever been. He is. I have no idea how these guys played football in this because I remember seeing you guys. You taped up the ear holes, so you everything, can anything yeah. that was had air blowing through it or was exposed, we tried to cover up as uh, much yeah. as we could. And yeah, the only I, one, the only thing, only person that came out of it with any issues, it seemed, was was Eddie Edwards. Oh yeah, he had he had put those hand warmers, you know, the ones right. that heat up. Right, right. He put them inside his helmet up against his ears, <laughs> and they burned his ears. <laughs> so what? he ended up with some frostbite type effect from that oh my goodness oh my goodness it's great but i think that's all that came out of that game even though that it was unbelievable unbelievably cold unbelievably cold i mean i, I like i said I, I was i was a little little younger then but i do remember it i mean i i remember and i was just like it is so freaking cold and i, I didn't I mean, we just sat and we had a fire we sat by the house or sat in front of the tv and watched the game and i just remember steam coming off your guys's head and just if you're just talking it you know a little bit of of, of smoke but it was like billowing out of your guys mouth so just from anybody talking. had a beard or a mustache right they were white well mine's white now but <laughs> well it was white my thing was white because of the cold right exactly, exactly so so just i know you you uh, wore two different size shoes there you did that uh for for kicking now how how was it i know you said this before it's like kicking a brick 
like, did you break, did you feel like you broke your foot every time you kicked it or, or how did you get through that? No. Um, one thing is like kicking off where you, if I clipped the tee, which I did a couple of times, that, that became a bruise the next day. Right. But really the ball was just so hard. It wasn't so much that it hurt so much, but there was no give. Right. You couldn't really, it was hard to compress the ball. So it just hurt. You know, the, the top of my foot was black and blue the next day. I bet but, it was. Now, now you got to do what you do. I mean, you got to do it, right? Right, exactly. Now, you guys, you didn't have a week if in, in between the Super Bowl. Did you have a week break or we did, did you go? Okay, okay, you did. I Both of them did. Okay. Because I know back then, sometimes you did and sometimes you didn't. So I couldn't remember. It only happened. So. We didn't. There was only one time that they did it. And I think they gave us, I think there were two bye weeks, if I recall. And they only had one week be between the AFC Championship and the Super Bowl. And I know from a player's perspective, that extra week was so nice to be able to get family straightened out and, oh, yeah. you know, who's coming to the game and who's handling the tickets and, and all that. So, yeah, that, that week in there is more administrative stuff and, and right. get kind of get the game plan ready for guys and things along those lines. So that way, when you get to the Super Bowl site, you know, you don't have to, you're not, you're pulled in so many different directions. You're already pretty well ready. It's just a matter of going over the game plan. Yeah. And and in 81, it gave you a week to thaw out, too. <laughs> you're not right. really. No. Oh, no? well, yeah. Well, uh, it, 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 it was miserable <laughs> up there. It was ice everywhere. We were doing donuts in the parking lot because you couldn't you know, could hardly go anywhere. <laughs> But but it was it was at least indoor indoors right so the the game wasn't as cold it was just cold no game, that's true yeah it was <laughs> it was indoor but, but you're you're in both Super Bowls like I said before you're the still the Bengals all time uh, leading points uh, score if that's uh, English there <laughs> but uh, as you see I'm wearing the uh, the new uh, field goal kicker we have a uh, shooter Money Mac now I have a question we have like a million nicknames for Evan McPherson you were just known as Jim. That as far as I know, did you have any nicknames like in the locker room or anything like that? Breacher money was Anthony calls me money all the money. time. Yep. Yep. So, but Breacher was my, was my nickname and you know, but money, money was one I, I had and, but it wasn't promoted. Like yeah. he's money Mac. I, I thought it would really be Evan McMoney. Evan McMoney. There you go. <laughs> but whatever the guy is awesome. I love watching him kick and, and the season he had was spectacular in the playoffs. We're unbelievable. So, you know, I'm he'll blow by my scoring my points record at some point in time in the next eight or nine years, but uh he's gonna have a phenomenal career. I think he's the closest thing to Justin Tucker has come along. Oh, he he's ridiculous. I mean it he I I don't know how many over fifty yard uh field goals he had this year, but it was a lot. A lot. Yeah, I mean just get get it to you though, but you had one thousand two hundred and forty six points. Your field goals, you were two hundred and forty three for three hundred and 40 at the 71% extra points. This is awesome. You were 517 for 539 at 59.9%. Now I got another word. 90, 95.9. Yeah. 95.9%. So, you know, what's interesting is my, my feel like first is my field goal percentage in, in my day and age. If you were over 70, that's kind of what you were shooting for. Right. Today, if you're not over 80, closer to 85, you're probably looking for a job and it just it kept it, even uh like my first year in the league in 1979 with the raiders i was 67 percent, and that was like 10th in the league my last six years i was almost 78 percent, 
And that was around 10th in the league. So it just, over time, it just kept getting better. And we had to, eat, you know, we had to get better too, or we're right. going to be out of a job. And now today, you know, it's unbelievable the last several years, how good these guys, how strong they are, you know, they, and they make the 50 yard field goals. Like we were making 30 to 40 yard field goals. Right. So right, it's exactly. just, it's just gotten better. Like everything else you see, you know, with the golfers hitting it much farther some of it's equipment, but um, a lot, there's a lot of other things that go into it. And some of it's uh, technology, uh, analytics, uh, diet, just the preparation and figuring out how to do it. And obviously talent. Exactly. Exactly. Now, speaking of talent now, now you, you were a kicker, but you were still a, a pretty good athlete back in, in college. You went to the university of California, Berkeley. Now you, you did, did I hear this right? Did you play baseball back then? You were a pretty good baseball player. I played one year at Cal, um, had an opportunity to sign with the Pirates after high school, but I didn't get drafted, which was very disappointing to me. I really wanted to, I really wanted to play baseball. Right. And then I got a full ride to go to Cal, which was shocking to me, to tell you the truth. My high school coach called down there and I'd gotten hurt my senior year, so I couldn't kick. I played quarterback also. Oh, okay. And so I was a quarterback that couldn't kick. It was really... <laughs> I'm not, I'm five, six. I'm not going anywhere as a quarterback and, right. and I couldn't kick. So Cal kind of went sideways and signed somebody else. And my high school coach calls him and says, Hey, how about take another look at him? He's healthy. Uh, give him a chance here. So I ended up going down to Cal and kicking for him. Right. And they said, we're really looking for an offensive lineman. Well, the guy that one of the guys from our area that they actually signed to be a punter kicker, was a number one, was a first round pick with Milwaukee in baseball. And Milwaukee didn't want him. Butch Edge was his name. Okay. They didn't want Butch Edge playing. That, that was the first year you could play a different sport and be a professional in one and still play college sport. And they didn't want him, they wanted to concentrate on baseball. All right. But in reality, I got his scholarship a couple of weeks oh, later. There you go. And then if, right after that happened, I'm at a uh, semi league, semi pro baseball game. This was a phenomenal league in Sacramento. We had former major league players, had uh, minor league players, college players. And then I was a handful of high school players that got to actually play in the league, which was an amazing experience. So the scout from the, from the Pirates leans over the fence. He says, has congratulations on your, uh, on getting the full ride. He says, uh, we're interested in signing you, but I'm not going to tell you what we're offering bonus wise. Go to school. If baseball's supposed to work out, it'll work out. So I played one year. It was too much. It was right, just too right. much to do them both. And uh, just start a family. And I'm running back and forth between spring football. And so it worked out. No complaints. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think I think it worked out pretty good, pretty good for you there. Now, uh, as you say, you, you were born in, in Sacramento, California. And I didn't realize this, but we, we share the same birthday date or birthday Month, I should say, not date. Okay, you're, the, you're April 11th. I'm April 14th. So April babies, we got to stick together. You know. There you go. <laughs> so, um, what was it like so, growing up in uh, California? Were you were you a big football fan, big sports guy, or what was it like? Yes, yes. It's been my life. <laughs> Man, I, whatever, whatever was going on, summertime, I was out the door and showed up somewhere around dark. <laughs> and mom, my mom worked anyway, so right, it really didn't matter so much, but. Um, that's all we did. It was constant, whether it was baseball every day, if it was too hot, we would come over, we play cards and then we'd go out in the air condition and go out in the, 
in our garage. We'd had a, we had a ping pong. I don't even know where the ping pong table came from. I think our neighbors gave it to us. Right. We'd open the garage door, play ping pong for a while until we we're just pouring down sweat. We go back in, play you know, in the air conditioning. Uh, we'd go down to the river, Sacramento River. Everybody said, what was it like growing up by the beach? <laughs> My beach only had rocks. <laughs> so we'd go down there and float down the river on inner tubes. Um, the one thing about growing up in Sacramento, and I never remember it raining in the summer, ever. Wow. So you always could do. You're always going to be able to do something. Right. But the other, the downside of that is everything's dry. Yeah. You know, except for what you water, obviously. And right. You know, they've got water restrictions. Actually, toward the before I just moved, just before I moved to Cincinnati, they were on a water restriction. So, yeah. but it, it was great, and we had uh, we had a blast. We get a bunch of guys together. So baseball season, play baseball, football. We play fo- football. We played flag football actually. Oh, nice. Only played one year tackle before I got to high school. Played some basketball, um, played golf when I could, played ping pong, got to be pretty good at ping pong, became the thing, the, the uh, Cal's. I won the ping pong championship for Cal's team. Um, anything with a ball. Right. Yes. So I'm, pick, I, I'm trying to take up pickleball now. Oh, there you go. That's old that's guy moving around, but don't have to move real far. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, see, my 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 uh, I'm getting older, and my my uh, go to uh, game is cornhole, where I, I can sit there, throw a bag of corn in a in a hole, and I have a beer in my hand. So I, I'm good with that. Cornhole's <laughs> great. Uh, have you ever played Can Jam? That's another yes. great one. Oh, that is so much fun. Yeah, we play Can Jam. Really, become really popular in our family, along with cornhole. Get some really intense games with Can Jam. <laughs> I'll tell you that. We have best too. <laughs> my kids are all very competitive, so we play round robins, and it's um, it gets pretty intense. Yeah, it's a blast. I bet it does. I bet it does. Now, um, you also got uh, inducted into the University of California Athletic Hall of Fame back in '99, and that's something I, I was doing some research on. You, I didn't realize that. That was pretty cool. What, what was that experience like? Uh, it was very cool. It was unexpected, uh, and and to get that call was amazing. Now the the downside of it, and not necessarily downside. So my one of my kids was kids were at Turpin, mm-hmm. and their big rival is Anderson. Right. My son with John was a who writes for CBS Sports today. Yep. 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 So John was a senior, and they're playing their. This is their game, right? This is their big rival. Right. And it's a senior year. So it's like, what do you do? So my my wife and I, his stepmom, walked him to the midfield, did all that. And then I had to fly out. We had to fly out to California. Ooh. So I missed the, the dinner the night before. Okay. We got in at, I don't know, two in the morning, three in the morning or something. And about went to the eye. game and you know, got introduced and got to do all the other festivities around induction. But unfortunately, I missed the dinner. Actually, yeah, I missed the dinner. So my dad did the presentation. He uh, he gave oh, the speech, cool. and I told my brother he couldn't because they, they'd have to take a they'd have to do what they did to Ed Marinero, come over and tell him to get <laughs> hurry up and get it done, get, get the hook and pull him off, or, or have the lady go. Pretty much, so, read the yeah, he can't stop talking. So my dad handled it really well. That's awesome, man. Now did it you? Get- it was unbelievable. Cal's got great history in not just revenue sports, basketball. Uh-huh. And baseball or uh, football, but you've had a lot of baseball players come out of there, played in the majors, um, obviously football players, but tons and tons of 
I mean, there, there was one point the swimming team, the swim team, if you just took the, the player, the, the guys from or women too, right. from Cal, they would have been like the third or fourth most represented team in the, in the Olympics in swimming oh, wow. a couple wow. different times. So they, they turn out tons of Olympians that come from all over the world. Uh, the crew team has won numerous gold medals. Uh, they've been one of the, they're always one of the top crew teams in the world. So just, uh, they're into a lot of different sports and gymnastics used to be just unbelievable. That's cool. So, now, did you get a, did you get a ring for the, uh, the hall of fame, uh, induction? No, just a plaque. Got a plaque. It's there. They have a, they redid the, it used to be our, what used to be our locker room. It's, so when I was there, our weight room, at my freshman year, our weight room, we would go up into the at the gym where the basketball arena was and right. everything was there. And the arena was built in like 1916 or something. So you can wow. tell it wasn't new. Right. So we go into this room and we get in line with all the students, the regular students. Okay. And then you have all the football players in line and we're going through lifting. The next year, they moved us downstairs into a basement of the of the uh, gym area. So we had that's what we had for the last few years while I was wow. there. And then the year after I was done, they moved everything up to the stadium. Now, the stadium, the west side of the stadium, if you're up at the top of the stadium and looking out over the wall, San Francisco, the Bay Area, Golden Gate, oh, wow. Bay Bridge opens up. It's right there in front. It's spectacular. Oh. Awesome. That view. If it's not foggy, if it's foggy, forget it. You can't see right. anything. Right. <laughs> um, so that was pretty cool. So I, I went up to see if I could work out and use the field and stuff. And they said, Oh yeah, but uh, you got you you got a lift up in the. You're up. You're here at the stadium. So okay. I go up there, and their weight room has got this huge picture window overlooking the Bay Area. I'm like, oh, my oh God, wow, this is spectacular. So That's that nice. in the meantime, over the years, they've built like a. $350 million Olympic, you know, for Olympic sports, for, for football and everything. So because the way it was built on in a hill, there was a lot of area wasn't being used coming down the hill. So they they filled that all in with facilities. It's it's spectacular. It sounds like I mean, I, I've never been I mean, I've been to California, but I've never been uh, to that area to see San Francisco and stuff. I heard there, there's there are some great spectacular views in that place that, that sounds like an awesome view from it the stadium is. and from the window there now, in the uh, workout depending on when you go if you go in the summer thinking i'm going to go in shorts yeah. summertime in the bay area is cold it's freezing yeah. right so yeah, bring a sweatshirt bring bring cold weather clothes you go in september and october it's just it's spectacular it just isn't nearly as much fog yeah, I, I remember by while well, watching the Reds games uh, uh, back in the day when when they were out in the NL West and they got San Francisco and it would be people would be freezing there. It'd be July. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's different yeah, from California. I, my brother took me down to a doubleheader one time. They were playing the Phillies for some reason. He was a big Phillies fan. I grew up Raiders and four. I love Raiders and 49ers. They're in different different conferences, right? Right. And the Giants and A's. I loved them all. Right. But uh, and, and the Giants, Willie Mays was my favorite player. I loved Willie Mays. So we go down for this Phillies game. The first game, it's like 75, 80 degrees. It's, I mean, you're hot, sweating. We're sitting out there, have the interim, and then come back for the second game. By about midway through the second game, I was as cold as I've ever been. The fog had <laughs> rolled in. It was absolutely freezing. I had the heaviest coat I had, and it wasn't doing me any good. And my brother, 
he was uh, always one that said, we don't leave right. until there's no time on the clock or the last pitch is thrown. Doesn't matter. Yeah. I sat through a rainstorm watching Montana State and San Diego State play the Camellia Bowl. Uh-huh. I was first, when I was first exposed to Jan Stenerud in 1966. Ooh. I'm sitting in one the, re- the reason the reason I wore number three was because of Jan Stenrud. Oh, cool. But San Diego State was up 28 to 7. And halfway through the fourth quarter, I was like, Bob, we get we've got to go. We've got to go. He's like, we don't leave until the last second ticks off the clock. And right. we didn't. <laughs> well, hey, well, it just prepared you for the freezer bowl, right? <laughs> yeah, in a different way. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll tell you, the freezer bowl. I think was the first game they used the heated benches. Oh, really? Now, oh, well, I, I've had Lapham on here before, and he said he said after the first uh, down or where he sat sat on that, he said, and then he got up, he was colder than he was before. He, he never sat on it again. Yeah, that's that was fine because he was playing. Those of us <laughs> that weren't in the game all the time, right. we had to. So what they did is they had it the benches, and then in between, in the middle like where the drinks are usually, uh-huh. they had heaters, uh-huh. like in a, a semicircle. So we had this and then the semicircle, so you could stand as a kind of a group in there. You have to be careful, those those propane heaters, butane, I don't know if they're butane, whatever. They uh, Some guys have gotten caught on fire, you know, singed, and yeah. you to be careful about that. But I, I was not going to stand out there and not, I mean, I was, it, was cold, it was cold enough anyway. Right. And then Kenny Anderson had one where, so again, it was one of the first the first time we'd ever used them, and you ha- you put your feet in, and it activates the air. Okay, so you have to kind of push your feet back in. And that's what gets the air flowing. So Kenny did that, and we had a turnover. Something happened, and he jumps up, but he doesn't take his feet out first, and his feet get caught. He said he went down, boom, face first, helmet hit the ground. He said he was. They'd have to put him in concussion protocol these days. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, that they would. Nobody yeah. got to imagine today. Everybody would have gotten to see that because they have everything going on. Exactly. Everybody would have seen that. That would have. It was hilarious. Exactly. That that would have been all over Sports Center and all, all, all over the internet. Everything. Ken Anderson the, goes the down not top ten. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That would have been the not top ten. So we talked a lot about the uh, the eighty or the eighty one uh, season. Let's talk about the eighty eight season. This is this is now this is when you've been in you're further along in your in your career, and you went back and you had to play the Buffalo Bills in the AFC Championship chip game. Which, by the way, they stole. The uh, no huddle offense. I'm just saying they called it the K gun. They stole it for the Bengals. Just putting that out there. But what was the difference in that? Because it was definitely not as cold <laughs> as as the uh, one against the Charger for sure. What were the two experiences like in, in both those championship games? They're similar. I mean, we had te- we had great teams. We right. expected to win. We had the best record in the AFC both both years. Um, I think it was a prelude for for Buffalo really because they went to four Super Bowls in five years. Yep. Yep. So that was the only one they didn't go to. <laughs> right. Maybe they had a maybe they can go the next year, but then they went to the four in a row. To to your point before the K gun, all during that before leading up to that game, uh-huh, uh-huh. Marv Levy was trying to get that banned. Yep. They wouldn't even let us use it. And the day mm-hmm. the night before the game, Bob Trumpy heard about it. He calls Sam and says, hey, this is why here's going on. They're they're going to ban you doing the no huddle. And Sam went off. I think he got Paul Brown involved, and they obviously opted not to do that. Right. 
So, you know, it takes away. And, they, and what the league didn't like was what Fred Smurlis did, acting like you're hurt. And you fall oh, down. Yeah. And the Seattle yeah, game. Yes. Seven yes. or eight times in the game. and Right. But ultimately, and, and you know, he was trying to, Marv Lee was saying it was unfair. It was, you know, it's kind of like when, um, ah, shoot, the, the Oregon coach. It's now oh, UCLA. Oh, um, Kelly. Uh, Jeff yes. Kelly came Jeff in. Kelly, remember yes. they said they, he can't do that. You can't run it that fast. You can't do all that. And, you know, it's not, it's unhealthy for guys. You know, it's really to control the tempo. And really, when we started it, it was we wanted to keep our personnel on the field. But depending on the down and distance, other teams wanted to run their personnel on. And the idea was if they're running people on and off and we didn't we didn't have anybody leave the field. So we don't have to let them substitute. Right. They do a quick count. And that was that was our sugar huddle. So, mm-hmm. boom, you're up. To, you're at the line just waiting. And if they're substituting, we got a five year penalty or free play. Uh-huh. So. That's kind of how that came about. And then, you know, utilize it a little bit more. And then Levy took it into, and really it's what made Jim Kelly who he was, because he was really struggling until he went to that K gun and, and the repetitions and, right, you know, kind of, it, it obviously their offense became dynamic after that. But that season, our offense was just unstop- unstoppable. Oh. It was all. It was so much fun to watch you guys in '88. I mean, that, that that that's why this past year reminded me so much of '88 with with the offense. I mean, you had the the. They're not there yet. No, they're not there yet. Not not there. They're. Yeah. I, I think this year is going to be. The, I think the they year. they have a chance. Their offensive line wasn't even anywhere near. See, both of our Super Bowls, the offense was was really because of our offensive line allowed all the things that happened this year. They couldn't really do all the things they wanted to do, I don't believe, because they weren't quite as strong on the offensive lines they want to be. Now they've made some major changes. Plus, you got all those young guys that and now have a year under their belt. And typically that second year, particularly with offensive linemen and wide receivers, that's kind of crazy to think that Jamar Chase might be better. But typically <laughs> they make scary. a big jump in the second year because now you've had a year under your belt, time to work with the guys around you and – so I think they'll be better, but ours was because our offensive line was just oh you, well you had you, you had the greatest left tackle of all time in Anthony Munoz, and you had I think the the best guard either it's either between Max or between uh, Lap I think is the best guard in in Bengals history. Now Max should Max should be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely, I, I completely he, agree with you on that. Part of the problem was he was a second alternate, first or second alternate. I think he made four or five Pro Bowls, but he was like a first or second alternate like another five times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And Anthony has told me that there's guys in the in the in the Hall of Fame right now that play against St. Max and said, "Oh, he absolutely should be in. He was he was awesome." Absolutely. So, I mean, and if you think Max leaving in '89, that really is where things yes. or '90, I guess it was. That's where things kind of turned. Absolutely. You know, he, I've said that a million times. That that was the beginning of the end. That was the Plan B free agent see where he he left and went to the to the Los Angeles Raiders then and I was heartbroken because Max was one of my favorite players and yeah you're right that was the beginning of, of the end for the uh you know the Super Bowl runs of the, of the 80s right yeah but that team uh similar in that great wideouts um great running back I mean we could do pretty much anything we ran the ball more than we threw it 
And oh, Boomer yeah. was a magician with the way he handled the ball. Great tight ends. You know, Rodney Holman was Rodney a spectacular Holman. tight end. Just like we had Danny Ross in 81. We had ML Harris. ML Harris would have been starting for most teams. He was phenomenal. So we were uh, we were pretty strong across the board in 80, both, both times, 81 yeah. and 88. The offenses were spectacular. But 80, the one in 88, I mean, we scored 59 touchdowns. That's just crazy. <laughs> that, that is crazy. Now, what, what kills me is, is both uh, now with the third Super Bowl we went to and lost, both, all three Super Bowls, I, we've been in every single game. <laughs> we've been within minutes of winning it. And, and 88, we were winning. You had, you kicked, you kicked the, uh, what I thought was a game winning field goal. And I came out later that there was a chance that you could have been the Super Bowl MVP if we had, you know, finished it off and won, won the Super Bowl. What do you think that would have been like? Because you've been the first kicker to be Super Bowl MVP. I think that would have been pretty frequent. I think it's cool you even considered that. Yeah, it would have been pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. But beyond that, whether I wanted or not, because here's to say what would have happened, because they Sport Magazine always does a preliminary ballot, and so I kicked the field goal with three, some, a little over three minutes to go. And right. Preliminary ballot. I had a couple of people tell me you were – you were picked as the MVP, but who's to say if somebody doesn't come up with a great play right. on defense, you know, that doesn't change, which I have no problem with the fact that we didn't win the game. Right. We'll never be able to change that. Yeah. And if I didn't win MVP, I don't care. I mean, I, I would love to want it, but if I didn't win it, I wouldn't have cared. But if we won the game, cause we've had this, I've had this conversation with many guys. It's like, we're, the team is really close to being three and zero. You know, goal line stand in the, at the wow. beginning of the second half in in, eight, in sixteen. Uh huh. If a couple things, I mean, just literally a little bit changes, we're in the end zone. Mm -hmm. We win that game because they they only had they had I think fewer than a hundred yards in the second half of the game. Yeah, and so yeah they did not move the ball. They kicked two field goals. David Fulcher was down and scored. What's that? David Fulcher was an absolute beast in that game. No, I'm talking about 81. Oh, 81. I'm sorry. Yes, 81. Yes, sorry. So mm -hmm. they couldn't move the ball. When we scored right. with 30 seconds to go, that would have put us ahead. I believe that would have that's the way the game would have still transpired that way. Can we shut him down? Montana wins MVP with 150 yards passing. That's crazy. And then in uh 23, you know, you tell anybody, all right, here's your defense. The other team has 92 yards to go, kind of similar to what the Bengals were up against this last one. Trust me, I was yeah, having some, deja vu. <laughs> yeah, you have, and you got and you got to stop them. Right. And for this one, I mean, how many great plays did the defense come up with mm -hmm. leading up in, in the Tennessee game, or actually the, the Raider game, then the Tennessee game, and then against Kansas City with the with huge interceptions. Yep. Just couldn't come up with the play. Yep. You know, uh, then Logan Wilson to make that call on him when they hadn't made, called anything like that the whole season. I, I, that whole drives game. me nuts. That, and that, he did it. And the crazy thing was he was within the five yards. Right. So, yes. And he, barely, he didn't even really put he, – he kind of pushed on the guy when the guy was cutting – when Cup was cutting across. But he played it beautifully. Mm -hmm. And they decided that that's the one they're going to call. Right. I mean, well, and the yeah. thing earlier in the game – T. Higgins completely <laughs> face masked 
the cornerback there. I mean, and they didn't call that. And then you're going to call that right there at a crucial, crucial point of the game. I'm like, that's when you, it's got to be like, you got to be mugging the guy, I think, to, to call, uh, throw a flag then. In the Super Bowl? I mean, uh. yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I've talked to enough referees and they said they really can't take into account that it's the Super Bowl, the time of the game. They just have to play, they just have to call what they see. Yeah. You know, and, and, well, I mean, if, it, if it's see, compared to what T. Higgins did. Right. Exactly. I mean, but I mean, and he gets away with it. Right. I'm not saying that I'm, that they let it go. I'm just saying they didn't see. They didn't see. They it, said right. they didn't have a good angle. Um, who's to say? You know, hard to say. No, or or in that last drive, if um, Spain can get out there, he's supposed to slide out, and then uh-huh. Hopkins was going to slide over. They were double teaming. Yep. Uh, Aaron Donald. Right. But he didn't get out there quick enough, and he was just there in an instant. So he looked. Joe looked to where you could see him look first toward Higgins, but I think he saw Chase down there and was trying to come back to him and literally an extra second. It's probably, it's a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Might be a different game. Who knows? So now, the Bengals, now. It's not like most teams that lose, uh-huh. they lose. If they go multiple times, you probably Buffalo lost their first one was really close to miss field goal. But after that, they got, Blown out. We go. It's always close, but we can't seem to come up with that mental toughness that it takes to finish off the game. And right. that will happen. I believe it will happen sometime in Joe Burrow's time with the Bengals. Absolutely. They're doing great things to get the team in, in situation to win. Absolutely. I, I believe Jackpot Joe Burrow will, will definitely bring us to the promised land. Now, full disclosure, in, in 88, when we lost, I was 12 and I was heartbroken. And the, the, probably the house, my parents don't live in the house anymore, but there's two holes in the closet where <laughs> I punched holes in the wall. I was so upset. And then this last time when we lost, I, my daughter, she's like, dad, why are you so sad? She's, well, at least they made it. I said, I know, honey. I said, but I've watched them lose it three times. I'm like, it, it doesn't get any easier. And I'm it's sure not, and it's nothing, it's nothing like being a player. I, I, I'm not comparing it at all. <laughs> it's not about at some point. Yeah. It's great to make it. But now I'm 66 years old. Yeah. And oh. it's the fact that we didn't win. Yeah. So what, what is, we, we it gnaws at you. It gnaws yeah. at you. It's there. I mean, you, uh-huh. during that time of year, during the football season, particularly during the playoffs, you just, you think about it. Mm-hmm. Well, and that, that's the funny thing is, is some people are like, well, you know, the Bengals have been awful for so long. You should be happy. I'm like, we still freaking lost. <laughs> like, I like it still, it still doesn't matter if it's been, 30 years since you've been there or whatever, you still lost. It still hurts. And, but I do believe, I do agree with you that I think that Joe Burrow will bring us there. And, and that kind of goes to my, my point where a lot of people are saying that last year was a fluke. And I'm like, you don't go to Kansas city and you don't go into Tennessee and win on a fluke because Kansas city, they held them to three points again, Tennessee. Oh, King James is coming back. He's going to run all over the place. He didn't do anything on them. That's where I'm like, none of this was a fluke. The, they played better. We the Bengals played better than both those teams did to win this. So it's it's two halves, right? Right. And the Bengals, that was the one thing, except for a few occasions this year, they really do a great job of adjustments at halftime, or or you know, you're really adjusting the whole game. You're not just adjusting at halftime. Right. So, but they on both offense and defense, they've done a great job of 
figuring out what the other team is doing. You can see what they're doing actually. And making adjustments to what they're doing. And then at halftime, they seem to come out and make against Kansas city. They just owned them in the second half of those two games. Yep. You know, all these teams, they've played phenomenally well. So to me, it's not just about the players. It's about the coaching and they have really good coaches. And, and our two teams, our two Super Bowl teams had great coaching. Cause you've seen teams out there with seemingly great players who can't seem to get it done. They can't even get to the playoffs. Right. And that has more to do with coaching at that point than it does with the players themselves. Putting guys in position to win, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, now that you brought, brought up the, the, the two coaches that, that you played for both of them, and I, to me, I think personality-wise, Forrest Gregg and Sam Weish seem like polar opposites. <laughs> I mean, what was it like playing for both of them? Forrest was very tough, uh, very demanding. I mean, like very demanding, <laughs> but very fair. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's as, as straight a shooter in pro sports as you're going to ever come across because they're not typically telling you much, and they might be blowing smoke half the time. Right. But in his case, he was he was straight up, and he didn't always like what he said or had to say about you or to you. Right. But the fact was that he was a straight shooter, and I think all the guys really appreciated that. Sam was uh, obviously a lot different. Uh, he, he he had a lot of different interests. He was he'd joke around, but he was brilliant. Sam was absolutely brilliant, especially when it came to offense. And so they yeah they were very diverse, but they were great for what we needed at those times. Uh, so different, and yet so it just shows. You know, people say, well, the coach isn't he doesn't yell enough at the referees. He doesn't get angry enough. He's always quiet on the sidelines, just standing there. It's like, oh, he's, he's in over his head. And then you want a coach that goes crazy on people. It all can, it can all work. Right. You know, cause it's all in the preparation. It's not what the coach does standing there yelling on the sideline. It's all in the preparation before you get there. And then what you do, how well you've prepared for that game. So when you go out there and play the game, you're as fully prepared as you possibly can be. So whatever exactly. the coach is inside, his big deal is he's got to make decisions on timeouts and, uh, you know, do I review a play, something, things along those lines, and then, you know, pulling guys aside, maybe build them up, encouraging them, or or a guy maybe need. It's like, what are you thinking? What were you doing out there? Why did you hit right. that guy seven yards out of bounds? What was all that? Yeah, those are the things. Right. But it's really the assistant coaches that are doing the coaching. Right. The the head coach has got all this stuff. He's got to watch. He's got to watch everything. Your assistant coaches, that's why it's so important, is those guys have to be great. They have to be great. They have to be great what's going on. They have to make adjustments right then and there. Obviously, offensive line, a good offensive line coach is always talking to his players to find out what they're seeing is uh, things change, what's going on different. Because, you know, you get, you're on the sideline. Coach is on the sideline. Then you, you get help from your players, and then you can make adjustments accordingly. Exactly. It's everybody pulling on the rope in the same direction. All, all the coach for the coaching staff to the players to, to the front office to everybody. You know, everybody and, and football is the, the 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 most team oriented sport sport there is because if one guy makes a mistake, then the play doesn't work. I mean, so everybody's got to be on the same page and doing the exact same thing. So, and that's that's one thing. One of the reasons I love football so much. I agree. I agree. You can have a spectacular player, and you know, if he uh, doesn't have a lot of people around him, the chances are. He's going to struggle, right, you know, especially exactly. at the highest level. Exactly. 
All right, Jim, you've given me almost 40 minutes. I appreciate it. Um, are you still doing the uh, kicks for kids? Are you, are you still involved with that? Well, that was Doug Pelfrey's. Okay. I was on the board for, for the, the whole time he had, but it's uh, it shut it down a number of years ago now. Okay. So that was that was a blast. The uh, Christmas party at the stadium right. for these kids that would never have wouldn't have something was uh, a highlight. But yes, awesome. no, I'm not doing that. I'm the uh, president of the NFL alumni here. Yep, I was going to say that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you guys have a lot of uh, charity events going on too, don't you? Yeah, there's always something going on. There's golf constantly, right? And then right, we have our alumni event coming up in June. Anthony's got his event the week before that. Joe Walters this Friday. Icky just had one on Monday, two days ago. Uh, David Fulcher has one at the end of June. So there's guys having stuff constantly. So we, and the nice thing is we have a lot of guys here locally and we all try and get behind what the other guys are doing. So we really supportive. Very close team. Both teams are very close. Just yeah, that's one thing I, I do love that, that that most of you guys have stuck around here too. You guys mm-hmm. have, have they formed roots here. You raise your families here, and you're still here. And like you say, you're you're doing the charity events with, with the the golf outings and everything. Now, my question is, who is the best golfer out of you guys? I know I know I said I was gonna let you go, but I, I gotta find that out. I'm taking <laughs> that. I'm taking that one. There you go. <laughs> now it's these guys all phenomenal athletes. Lewis Breeden uh, is having some health problems right now, but he got really good. So Lewis and I have had some great matches and he's gotten me a number of times, but uh, for the most part, uh, especially when we were playing, cause I grew up playing some golf. Right. And we'd play our Tuesday tour and I took a lot of money because, you know, these guys are all getting beat up. Right. So they're hurting. <laughs> and it's only Tuesday and, right. and I'm, I'm the kicker and I'm feeling great. And <laughs> right, <laughs> it, wasn't exactly. fair. it wasn't fair, but I still took the money because you never know. You never know. <laughs> Hey, all fairs and love and war, right? There you go. <laughs> all right, Jim. Well, I appreciate you you uh, you coming on here. We'll definitely have to do this again sometime. I'd love to. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Jim was awesome. Like I said, he was very sparing with his time. Like I said, he talked to me for a good 40, 45 minutes. I, I enjoyed all the all the uh, stories. I could have talked to him probably for another thirty minutes, but I don't want to sit there and t- take all of his time. There, I, I would love to find out. Like Crip a- asked of uh, why he switched from ten to three. I know he he said why he had number three, so that's probably why he switched. I never got to a- I technically ask him that, but I hope you guys enjoyed that. Like I said, tomorrow night I am very very excited about this. This man right here, Deontay Smith. Current Bengals offensive lineman, the man who I think has a very good shot of being our starting left guard. I know people don't always agree with me on that. Uh, we'll be on my show tomorrow night live. I am thrilled to death that he will be joining me. So tell your friends, tell your neighbors. Let's let, let's really get as many people on the show as we can. Ask just ask some really cool questions. You know, just have a lot of fun with this one. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. I cannot wait to get him on there. Anyway. I said, I hope you guys enjoyed. Let's get to the Facebook groups that let me live stream. And I hope you appreciate, or I appreciate every single one of them. They're Hootay Nation, Hootay Legion, Cincinnati Reds, Riding Third, Heading for Home, Bearcat Ruckus, Bearcat Country, the Ohio State Bucknuts, the Ice Barding. Follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Trenopole. TikTok is at Iceman90. I will be pulling off. This sound later on tonight and put it on the podcast. So if you guys want to go listen to it, let me go 
work tonight, you work during the day tomorrow, on your way to work, whatever, check it out. It's on Beanpod, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher Play, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. Please make sure you rate, like, and review. YouTubers, you guys are awesome. My originals, I'm at 1,649 subscribers. That is awesome. As always, I appreciate every single one of you guys. Like I said, if it wasn't for you guys watching this stuff, none of this would be happening for me. So, again, from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate you guys. Like I said, tomorrow night, big show. I got an uh, interview with Jay Morrison set up this week. I, I got I got Deontay Smith. I got a lot of cool things coming up. So make sure you guys stay tuned to the channel and make sure you subscribe because every time I go live or if I put a video up or something, you'll be notified. And like I said, I'm working hard for you, trying to get you as the best information I can about the Bengals, best information I can about the Reds, which, well, the Reds are terrible. <laughs> so there's not a whole lot really to say about them. But I'm going to get out of here and go. I'm a glutton for punishment. I'm going to go watch my Reds. Maybe they'll win tonight. I don't know. We'll find out. Anyway, I'll see you guys tomorrow night. And as always, that's just sports, baby. See ya!